Hello my friends, it's the Remnant Warrior here on Corporate Criminals, Conspiracies, and Cover-Ups. It's time for you all to wake up and shift your paradigm. This world is the kingdom of darkness and we are living in its last days. It won't be long before the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat the earth and everything therein shall be burnt up. The Luciferian elite have been setting up the new world order and now they've established the globalist beast system for the rise of that wicked one and revealing of the man of sin who comes after the workings of Satan. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible and you'll know that perilous times shall come in the last days. We are in the last days. We're actually going to see Apollo in Revelation 9 uh, as Apollyon. It's Abaddon in the Hebrew and Apollyon in the uh, Greek. Uh, I got a question here. Mr. CG15. Uh, do you believe CERN has a lot to do with the rise of Apollo? Absolutely. I believe that CERN could very easily um, be one of the tools. I don't believe that it's the key that opens uh, the abyss for the rise of Apollyon in Revelation 9. But I do believe that it could play a huge role in opening the portal or the gates of the abyss. Now, we're going to look at more than just Revelation 9 this morning. We're going to be Going back in the Old Testament, we're going to look at uh, Isaiah 13, where it talks about the the rise of, or the giants rising up out of the earth to uh, fulfill God's wrath, and also some other verses in the Old Testament that really show that not only is Satan or the Antichrist, the beast, Apollo, Apollyon, Zeus, Nimrod, Gilgamesh, all of these names that Satan goes by. And if you notice here in, in the background, um, the background I've got up, I've got a... a Drawing of the Greek god Apollo, who is the god of light, the light bringer. Um, he was the sun god. Just like many other gods that were the same fallen entities that were masquerading as gods, and they were the gods of the the nations, the Gentile nations in Old Testament times, uh, 
uh, going all the way back to, to pre-flood with the fall of the Watchers. And it's, it's very interesting. When you look at the, the gods of the Gentiles before the flood, pre-flood, they were fully God, 100% God. After the flood, all of these gods were half man, half God. They were a mixture of divine and mortal. And that is exactly what we see in the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch talks about, you know, before the flood in the days of Jared, how the watchers came down. And, you know, they masqueraded as the gods of the nations. And they mated with human women. And because of their sin, we know that God had them uh, enchained in Tartarus. Uh, Peter uh, talks about them being uh, chained in uh, everlasting darkness in Tartarus to, until the, the judgment. And Tartarus in Greek mythology, which, you know, I say mythology very, very loosely. I, I use that term loosely because all, one thing you have to understand, all mythology is based in some facts, just like Tartarus. Tartarus in Greek mythology is below Hades. It's as far below Hades as Hades is below the earth. And it's the lowest part of Hades. Well, we know that if it wasn't a real place, then Peter would not have called it Tartarus. Peter wouldn't have named it. Peter wouldn't have said that these fallen angels were in Tartarus. Now, I want to, I want to, uh, before I've got so much information to go through, um, I may even uh, pull some slides up for you guys, and uh, we may look at an article or two, but the main thing I want to do is look at Scripture. So right now, we're going to go to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, if you are watching the Remnant Report, um, and first... I am going to read just really fast here. Um, Isaiah chapter 13. And Isaiah 13 is talking about the judgment at the, the end, in the end times. Um, uh, starts off the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. And I have also called my giants for mine anger. Even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains 
like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of the nations gathered together. The Lord, the Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth in birth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy all the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. And the sun shall be darkened in his going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their iniquity and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay the low, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold. <laughs> wow. Even a man that the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts. In the day of his fierce anger. And, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there. Yeah, I could keep going. Um, but if, if you listened to what was being read there, it sounded a lot like book of Revelation, and other Old Testament prophecies about the destruction of the day of the Lord. Uh, the Bible talks about men's hearts failing them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. Well, Isaiah said the same thing. It said that the Lord is going to call the giants up. To literally fulfill his judgment. And the noise of them coming up is going to be like a multitude of mountains shaking and all the kingdoms gathered together. And it says that they will all be afraid and all the stars of heaven will fall to the earth. The sun's not going to give its light. It's going to be darkened. 
the moon is not going to shine. And I like this. This is the first place I've ever heard this anywhere in the Bible. And this is, <laughs> it was really cool. God said that he will make a man more precious than fine gold. In other words, he's going to destroy so many that, because you know why gold is precious, right? Why is gold and diamonds and all of these uh, precious metals, why are they precious? Because they're rare. God said that he's going to make man more rare than gold. God's not playing around, people. It's time to wake up. Sister Mary Callie and I have been talking um Sister Mary Kelly, she changed, she uh, closed down all of the the Facebook Messenger groups for um, both the Deception Report and for the uh, Status Report. She closed them down, and she and I talked, and we said, "Listen." There are too many lukewarm uh, Christians who are coming in the groups. They're saying all kind of things that uh, have nothing to do with the group. People are having discussions amongst themselves. They're arguing about whether the jab is the mark and if... So for the people who don't believe the jab is the mark, you know, they're heretics and they're going to hell. And, you know, it, we had just had enough. So she closed them down. I kept the Remnant Report chat. So far, I have kept it because um, the Remnant Report chat, we don't have those kind of problems. Um Wendy, what do you mean, did you do something wrong, dear? No, not that I know of. What do you mean? I'm confused. Oh, well, um, just message me uh, on Messenger after the program and um, let me know what you're talking about because uh, probably not something you want to put in the comments of the show anyway. But... Um, I don't know what you would have done wrong, but, uh, anyway, so we just decided that, you know, she was going to, uh, close or she decided, I, I didn't know until after she did it, that she, uh, deleted both of the chat groups and I kept the remnant report chat group because we don't have those problems there. I, I you know, I gotta say, um. Uh, the brothers and sisters who are in the Remnant Report group, you know, the the messenger chat, you know, that we fellowship in, we don't have those problems. I mean, I, I am really blessed that, you know, you guys, my listeners, are, for the most part, you know, you guys are not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. And 
you know, I'm so very, very blessed to have a group of believers who are doing what the Bible tells us to do, what Jesus Christ told us to do in his word, who are not just using lip service and calling themselves Christian, but they're actually walking out their salvation with fear and trembling. They are obeying and keeping the commands of Christ. And they are doing what people inside the body of Christ are supposed to do. We all, no matter who you are, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a believer, then you have been called into the ministry, whether you know it or not. We all have been called to spread the gospel of the kingdom to the entire world for a witness. That's the Great Commission. You know, we're not all called to teach or preach or, you know, uh, do a podcast or, you know, whatever the case may be in ministry. We're not all called to be leaders in ministry. We're not all called to be leaders inside the church, but we are all called to spread the gospel. And the gospel is the most important part of everything we do. No matter what we come on here and talk about, you know, today's subject is a very interesting one. But no matter what we're talking about, the gospel has got to be at the center of it. Now, I want you to go now and turn to uh, Revelation chapter 9. And uh, just like always, we're going to start with verse 1. Now, Revelation chapter 9 says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven and unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And upon them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now, who has the seal of God in their foreheads? The believers. If you have been born again into the body of Christ, then guess what? The Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And... Unlike those who believe in this uh, secret rapture train that's not coming um, before the tribulation, we are going to be the end time remnant of God. And if you are in the tribulation, if, if you wake up and find yourself living in a time where 
the man of sin has been revealed, come to power. And by the way, this is the man of sin. And I'll prove it to you before this show's over with. This uh, Apollyon, this Apollo that is coming up out of the pit. Uh, this is the same beast. The same beast from Revelation 13. The first beast of Revelation 13. And I'm going to, I'll show you all of that before this program's over. Uh, now, back to uh, verse 5. It says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and teeth were and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running into battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. Abaddon means the destroyer. Abaddon means destroyer in Hebrew. And all of the, we, we know that who, the Bible says Satan seeks only to steal kill, and what? Destroy. Satan, or Abaddon, is the destroyer. And I said earlier that all of these Old Testament, the old gods, the fallen angels, the fallen ones, they all were worshipped in all of these different cultures throughout history just by different names. So in the Hebrew, his name is Abaddon. But it says in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon or Apollo. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose, listen to this part. Here comes, now we've just seen the rise of Apollo. We've just seen Apollo rise up out of the abyss, the pit. The angel of the bottomless pit, Apollo, Apollyon, Abaddon, the destroyer. We just saw him rise. Now watch as the return of the fallen. Now we've already seen 
some of the fallen return. We saw these chimeric locust-type creatures described that come to hurt men. Well, you won't find this story in the canon of Scripture, but in the extra-biblical uh, non-canonical text of um, the book of Joshua, and it's also, it's not just there, it's also in the book of Enoch, in the book of First Enoch. It wasn't just the watchers who were sent down and imprisoned in Tartarus, in the abyss. It was also some of their offspring, the spirits of their offspring. This is after the flood. There's a story uh, in both of these scriptures, but in the book of Jasher specifically, after the flood of Noah, and he's got um, all of these demonic uh, demons, for lack of a better word, but all of these um, evil spirits, these unclean spirits that are just wreaking havoc on Noah and his family and uh, all of mankind who were alive and living after the flood. And Noah, you know, goes to God and he prays for him to please... Uh, get rid of these uh, demons, get rid of these evil, unclean, fallen spirits. And uh, before he, before God makes his decision, Satan comes on the scene. And he says, do not, I, I'm paraphrasing, of course, because I don't have it in front of me, but he says, don't send all of them. Leave me some of them so that I can use them to tempt and sway mankind. And so the Lord uh, agrees to this uh, deal or whatever with Satan, or I think his name here is Mastema. Uh, I could be wrong because it's been a little while since I've read the story, but... Regardless, he agrees with the devil that he will uh, imprison some of the Nephilim spirits, these bastard spirits of the Nephilim, in Tartarus with the fallen angels. Now, remember, you see in the book of Jasher as well, now this is, you, you won't find the story of their creation in the... Bible as far as you won't find these chimeric creatures being created. You won't find the fallen angels and the Nephilim sinning against the birds of the air and the beast of the field in Scripture. But you will find it in uh, the book of Enoch and the book of Joshua and I think the book of Jubilees. But it tells in Enoch and in Joshua how they created these chimeric creatures that are learned about, and, and all of these creatures are um, 
involved in you know ancient mythology of all of the the different lands you know your greek and roman mythology your even you know your chinese mythology all of your ancient mythologies native american mythologies you have these chimeric these half men half animal creatures um and you also see this in the Bible. You don't see them created like you do in Enoch and the book of Jasher, but you do see the creatures themselves. Uh, the, it talks about, and I'm going to go back to Isaiah if we have time, and read about the dragons and the satyrs and all of the different chimeric creatures that are going to be in the end times because the book of Isaiah describes it completely. It literally describes the, and the book of Joel talks about uh, the locust as well. And these creatures that come up out of the abyss who are ruled over by Satan, by Apollo, by Abaddon, these creatures are a part of the fallen. They are these uh, imprisoned bastard spirits of the Nephilim. The ones who were not just a product of fallen angels and women, but a product of angels and animals and Nephilim and animals, along with genetic uh, tampering. You know, they had fallen angel watcher technology far beyond anything that modern science and genetics has today. And anything that modern genetics has as far as uh, trying to create life out of cloning DNA and all of the different genetic abominations that are done, all of that comes from fallen angel technology. I mean, do you think that God gave the scientists and the doctors the will and the drive and the know-how to want to do these things, but also the ability to create these different chimeric creatures that are being created in labs all over the country and the world. The governments of the world are doing these things, and it's not God who is leading them to do this. It is completely fallen angel technology. I don't want to get sidetracked here. I want to go back to the text. Now, it says that the sixth angel sounded. Now, remember when the fifth angel sounded, the pit was opened, Apollo rises, and the fallen Nephilim spirits rise with 
Apollo as these creatures. And, you know, I don't know if their size is going to be like a locust. I tend to think not, but, you know, I don't know that. But I do know that when we get farther down in the text, starting in verse 13, when the sixth angel sounds, it says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice, a boy, a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Now listen to this. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these... Three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouth. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men were not and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues repented not of their works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk neither repented they of their murders nor their sorceries nor of their fornication or of their this. Now the word in verse 21 for sorceries is the word pharmakia. So they didn't repent of their devil worship. And I would venture to say that if you read verse 21 in context of the context of uh, the occult and devil worship, you know that these satanic rituals involve what? Murder, drug use, sorcery, fornication. All of these things are a part of satanic rituals. And I think this shows a clear picture of how depraved mankind will have become at this point. You know, nowadays, these Satanists are, you know, in the shadows. And although I'm sure there are tons of them, 
they're not mainstream. You know, you've got your elites who stay in the shadows for the most part. Your secret societies. Your, uh, you know, satanic cults and people who practice Kabbalah and who are in these secret societies like the Freemasons and the OTO and the Golden Dawn and all of these ancient mystery religion-based secret societies that practice Luciferianism. This is going to become the mainstream practice of man in the end times. You got to figure their God is going to rise from the bottomless pit and they're going to worship him. We can see this same beast here in Revelation 13. And in Revelation 13, it talks about him rising again. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now listen, where did this beast rise from? The sea. Well, the sea in the Bible in Old Testament times, and in all ancient mythology, the sea was known as the abyss, or the primordial uh, chaos. Leviathan lives in the sea, the abyss. So when this beast rises out of the sea, he's literally rising out of the abyss, the bottomless pit. Now, it's actually a twofold interpretation here because the beast we know is two parts. And we're going to look at actually, uh, there's three characteristics of this beast. And we're going to see all three of the characteristics. He is the beast that was, is not, and will rise out of the bottomless pit. So, he was on the earth in some point in the ancient past up until, uh, in my opinion, up until he was bound in the abyss by the angel, at the death of Christ, or the resurrection of Christ, however you want to look at it. At the time of Christ is when this angel was bound, in my opinion, or Satan was bound, in my opinion. But we know that the Antichrist, or the beast, the first beast of Revelation, uh, he has two aspects. He's a mortal man that is going to have Satan literally enter into him. He's going to have a deadly head wound 
and he's going to be revived when Satan enters into him. Well, in Revelation chapter 9, Revelation chapter 13, we see the rise of this man. Okay, he's just a man. Uh, but then we see um, in verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded unto death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Listen, and they worshipped what? The dragon which gave power unto the beast. See, the dragon enters into the beast here in verse 4. It gives his power unto the beast. Now, when this happens, verse 4 is the same as Revelation chapter 9 when he's rising out of the bottomless pit. This is Satan rising out of the bottomless pit. Satan, Apollo, Abaddon, the destroyer, the light bringer. Uh, this is who is going to rise out of the bottomless pit. Now we're going to turn to Revelation 17 because I want to show you guys something. I said I would prove uh, just who this angel that that the angel who the angel of the bottomless pit abaddon the king of the fallen angels that come up out of the uh euphrates river and the bottomless pit you know the old gods the gods of the ancient mystery religions the pre-flood gods as well as the the nephilim gods these, because we know that these idols are made of wood and stone, and they aren't alive, but to worship idols, the Bible tells us, is to worship demons. And these demons, which are what? The disembodied spirits of the dead Nephilim. So, these Nephilim spirits, who were alive until the flood, they were the gods of the nations because after the flood the nephilim were who were worshiped by these nations it, whether it was you know egypt or uh, assyria or babylon or canaan or you know whatever they had their pantheons greece rome they had their pantheons and they had the original gods who were all immortal uh, and they were actually the fallen angels, the watchers. Then they had the other gods, um, you know, who were actually just Nephilim. They were products of what they were, what we would know and call demigods. So, uh, these demigods were worshipped by the nations and when oh, I lost my train of thought <laughs> okay I'm, I'm just going to go back to Revelation 17 because I wanted to show you guys something um, I, I kind of lost track of a what I was, uh, the point I was making about the gods. 
if I keep hitting my microphone stand, it's going to really mess up the sound. I'm sorry about that. I'm sure that probably made a boom. I've got headphones on, so I can't hear it. But, okay, um, in Revelation, chapter 17, we are going to look at alright chapter 8 Revelation 17 chapter 8 let's start with chapter 7 first and the angel said unto me wherefore did thou didst thou marvel I will tell ye the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her which hath the seven heads and the ten horns well what beast had the seven heads and the ten horns the beast, the first beast of Revelation 13 that rose out of the abyss or out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. That is the beast that is talked about here in John starting in chapter 7. And then in chapter 8 it says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was is not and yet is so first we see in verse 7 that this is the beast which hath seven heads and ten horns. And that beast is the beast that was, is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. So we see here, without a shadow of a doubt, that the beast of Revelation chapter 9, or this angel of the abyss, Apollo that is rising out of the abyss in Revelation chapter 9, the leader of this fallen angel demonic army is none other than Satan himself, Apollo. He is the Antichrist in the sense that he has entered in. The dragon gives him his power. He has entered in to a human being. And he is the beast. And he rises out of the abyss. And we learn in Revelation chapter 17 that the angel who rises out of the abyss... Is the angel, I mean, the angel that rises out of the abyss, the abyss is the beast that has the seven heads and the ten horns. So we see for sure that Apollyon from Revelation 9 is the same as this beast in Revelation 17 and 
the same as the beast in Revelation chapter 7. It's also the same as the beast in Revelation chapter 11. Um, you know, it, it is the beast. Now, you might say, Pastor, why in the world are we seeing all these things in, that seem to have happened at an earlier time in, during the tribulation being talked about in a later verse? Or, for instance, Revelation chapter 9. Why, Pastor, is Revelation chapter 9 talking about this beast ascending out of the abyss with this hellacious army and these fallen angels out of the Euphrates River in chapter 9 if he doesn't come until chapter 13. The reason for that is simple. And you've got to understand this because if you try to read the book of Revelation on your own without understanding this, you'll be as lost as you can be. The book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. <laughs> Contrary to popular dispensational uh, false doctrine, the book of Revelation is not written in order at all. It repeats itself over and over, and that is why you can see things uh, happening in chapter 9 that are, you know, well farther along and see things in chapter 13 that happen before the things in chapter 9, and why you can see in chapter 6... Uh, the entire tribulation in a nutshell, all the way down to the rapture and the return of Jesus Christ and the judgment of God coming upon the world. That is because a lot of Revelation, the way it is written, is written in an, ap an apocalyptic style that is telling a story through symbols, but it's not telling a chronological story. It's telling the story of the, the end times, uh, beginning with the, the tribulation of the saints, because... Friends, you've got to remember that the tribulation is the tribulation of the saints, the saints of God. We are the ones under tribulation. It's not the tribulation of the lost. It's not the tribulation of the world. It's happening on the world, but it is Satan and the beast who are persecuting the body of Christ. It is the enemy and the enemies of God who are putting the servants of God in tribulation. 
after the tribulation of the saints. After that is over, then, then the day of the Lord happens. See, dispensationalism teaches that the day of the Lord is the entire tribulation period. That makes no sense. The day of the Lord, the wrath of God, happens at the end of the tribulation. And, you know, we, the body of Christ, are not appointed unto wrath. So, whether or not we'll be here when the wrath is poured out, I don't know. But I can tell you this, because we are not appointed unto wrath, even if we are here, we'll be fine. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. When, just like Isaiah 13 says, when these giants come up, you know, these fallen angel armies, these Nephilim armies come up to uh, judge mankind on this earth, the wicked, as the instruments of God's wrath. When that happens, what does Revelation chapter 9 say? It says not, it tells them not to, uh, let's see, only hurt those men which do not have, which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So those of us who have the seal of God in our foreheads, we are not going to be hurt by this. We will not be hurt by this. Now, we saw, okay, yeah, we went all the way through down to verse 21. They, at the end of all of this wrath, they still do not repent. And, uh, <laughs> the judgment of God on this earth has barely started for the wicked and unrighteous because we see that they refuse to repent of their sorceries and of their fornication. And chapter 10, you know, it goes right into the next, uh, the next, um, judgment. And it goes, it talks about the seven thunders and the angel that stands upon the sea and talks about the mystery of God being finished. You know, chapter 10 is a really fascinating chapter in Revelation and I would love to be able to do a program just on Revelation chapter 10 here very soon and I pray that I am able to do that and I you know, I don't know why we couldn't but I want to look 
at just a few things before we end the program. Uh, you know, we have looked at scripture and I think that we've done a pretty good job of showing the rise of Apollo. Um, first off, we looked at Isaiah and that's what I wanted to do if we had time. Um, it, I don't know that we'll have time. So because and if we don't have time because we are, you know, running low on time after the program's over, what I would suggest is you go back and read the entire book of Isaiah. Uh, the book of Isaiah is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. You know, the book of Isaiah is, you know, Isaiah was one of the major prophets and he testifies and prophesies uh, about so many things. Um, he, he prophesies destruction on uh, Israel for their sins, but he prophesies the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for the, his first advent. He also prophesies the second coming of Christ, as well as the end of the world and the wrath of God that is poured out. And, you know, I would even venture to say that you can find the Antichrist or the Beast or, uh, uh, see, uh, you could even call him, what, Apollo. <laughs> Apollo, you know, you, you could find him in... Maybe not by that name, but definitely as Satan or the devil in Isaiah. Because there's one entity that's mentioned in Isaiah quite often. And I like the version of the Bible that I have. Um, I'm sorry, not the version of the Bible. I have a version of just the book of Isaiah. I've got a copy of the book of Isaiah that is um, an English copy of the Septuagint translation of Isaiah. And it shows so many amazing things as far as the end times. Now remember, especially when you get to the Lucifer passage, Isaiah 14... First of all, in the Septuagint, Lucifer is not in it. And I'll go farther than that. In the Masoretic, in the Hebrew Masoretic, it doesn't say uh, Lucifer. That is a Latin word that the King James translators uh, put into the text uh, the Hebrew Bible says um, Hillel ben Shikar and we have done programs here on the remnant report on Shikar or the the fallen seraph which he was a seraphim and we did a program on the fallen seraph Shikar uh, the father of 
who is known from the King James Bible as Lucifer. People, so many people think Lucifer is the devil. But Lucifer's not the devil. First of all, Lucifer's not even the name used in either copy of the original scriptures. Now, the, the Septuagint, the Septuagint is older than the Masoretic. And the Septuagint is also the translation of the scriptures that Jesus and the apostles used, as well as the uh, New Testament writers and the early church uh, up until, um, you know, the different codexes were created and the scriptures were copied and then eventually the Hebrew Masoretic was created. Ah, uh, man, I think, I can't remember right now, but I want to say it was the 6th century A.D., so 600 years, um, or 500 years after the time of Christ that the Hebrew Masoretic was created. But, you know, before then, in the 1st and 2nd centuries of the church, they used... The Septuagint. Jesus Christ used the Septuagint. John, the writer of Revelation, used the Septuagint. And the Septuagint, um, you know, it it just, uh, the copy of Isaiah that I have, the, you know, it's just a copy of the English translation of the Septuagint version of Isaiah. Um, it doesn't say Hillel ben Shakar because, um, you know, it's not the Hebrew Masoretic. It is the Septuagint, and it's written in English. So it says something like, um, uh, I cannot remember, and I don't want to tell you guys wrong. Um, something to do with uh, the, it's either the light bearer or son of the, the morning or something like that. Um, and there are other translations, English translations that just say, Lucifer, son of the morning. This doesn't say that. I apologize. I'm sure you hear my dogs barking. Uh, they're angry at me for being in the office uh, recording for over an hour without uh, feeding them. Oh, no, I did feed them before I came in here, but without giving them any attention. They're barking. But I want to look real quick at... Uh, and I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put both of these in the description of the YouTube version of this uh, program once it's over. Um, the uh, 
I've got two um, articles that are on Apollyon and on the fifth trumpet. And the first one is uh, just, it's an article from BibleHub.com on Revelation 9, 11. And it's got, you know, all, it's got the, the um, scripture, Revelation 9, 11, and all of these different Bible translations. And then afterwards, it starts with the context, uh, the fifth trumpet. They had tails, it starts with verse 10, they had tails with stingers like scorpions, which had the power to injure people for five months. They were ruled by a king, the angel of the abyss. His name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek it is Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to follow. For cross-reference, it gives first... Uh, Job chapter 26 verse 6 and Job 26 6 says Sheol is naked before God and Abaddon has no covering. Job 28 22 says Abaddon and death say we have heard a rumor about it. Job 31.12 says, For it is a fire that burns down to Abaddon. It would root out my entire harvest. Psalms 88.11 says, Can your loving devotion be proclaimed in the grave? Is your faithfulness in Abaddon? So, in all of these scriptures, we see Abaddon, the destroyer, or Apollyon, being um, referenced with death and the grave and the abyss and Sheol. Proverbs 15.11 says, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. And Luke 8.31, and this is a very, very good scripture. I was going to talk about this even before I uh, got to this, uh, this um, article from Bible Hub. Luke 8.31 is when Jesus uh, cast the demons out of the, the man, the legion of demons, into the pigs. And they... These pigs, they go off of the cliff into what? Into the sea. But the word there used in Luke chapter 8 verse 31 is they and the demons kept begging Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss. So instead they went into the sea, right? So the word abyss is literally used here for these demons not wanting to go. They didn't want to go into the pit. 
They knew what was in the pit. They had uh, brothers in the in the abyss. They had their parents in the abyss. Now, John 5 and 2 says, Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool with five covered col colonnades, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. Well, uh, I ain't got a clue uh, exactly what how that is referencing um, Revelation 9-11, but I'm sure it's got uh, something to do with it. But it, it, it's also, it's got here um, Revelation 12-9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. John 12, 31 says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Hmm. John 14, 30 says hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me the angel from Revelation 9 1 it says and the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven an angel fall from heaven stars are angels in the book of Revelation and a lot of times in scripture period I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. This is Abaddon. John 8, 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, there is more than one point in which the reader uh, of Revelation 9, there's, there's more than one point in which the seer wishes us to mark this contrast between the symbolical and the natural locust. And I believe that um, the, the lo regular locusts, you know, they have no sting. And these locusts in Revelation 9 are definitely demonic. And they have a sting. They are there to carry out the wrath of God. Regular locusts have no king. But these locusts from Revelation 9, they have a king. You know, the movements of 
locusts who are invading and destroying crops, uh, they they come in and they, they swarm with precision. And they have order and if you've ever seen locusts come and just destroy crops, you'll see they are literally moving with one accord. But yet they have no monarch over them like, you know, bees and other such uh, insects which have a king or a queen over them. But these locusts from the pit of Revelation chapter 9, they, along with these four angels from the river Euphrates and the what was it? The 200,000 thousand um, giants on horseback who are a part of their army. You know, they are coming to destroy as well. They're not here to destroy crops. The locusts, they're going to move with the same precision and order that a group of insects move? No, of course not. They're going to move with chaos. And it is going to cause chaos. They are going to be stinging and tormenting men for five months. The Bible says that in that time when these locusts are just wreaking hell on earth, that men will seek death, but what? Death will flee from them. But then, after the five months are up, when this uh, army of giants and fallen angels are given the order and the authority to carry out the